Hey, Star Wars fans, and welcome to the Star Bros Podcast. We are excited that you are joining us here for us this evening, and we are currently bracing ourselves for a tropical storm. Some of you on the East Coast know what we're talking about. Elsa just is, you know, going up and down the coast and hitting everybody. And down? Up. (laughs) I don't know why I said down. (laughs) It's going up. It's not going down. Wow. It is uh, pretty late already on on a Thursday night that we're recording this, so maybe that's this my inebriated mind i don't know i don't drink so <laughs> so what what i'm gathering is um the hurricane can come back and hit you again <laughs> and that you're intoxicated so, sometimes it feels like both of those things <laughs> wow um i'm joined as always by my bro host Jan solo and i'm joined by my bro host ben skywalker how are you doing man you are coming back from a nice vacation aren't I'm, you i'm coming back from a nice vacation we are recording at your place at my place which we don't typically Why is do. that? Because I don't know if this was Elsa's first run through town or she came back again, but my power is <laughs> out at my place. Um, and we got clobbered by a crazy storm that just blew through and was in and out like in 10 minutes. But um, And knocked your neighbor's tree down and everything. It knocked my neighbor's tree down and the tree's just resting. It's okay. It's just resting up against the house. Yeah. It just needed a little break. It's yeah. been standing it's for how dead. many it's years? Sleeping. Poor guy. That poor little tree. But you were on vacation, too. I was on vacation, um, which is such a novel concept after the pandemic. Like, I actually got on a plane and went somewhere else. You flew there. I flew there. With other people. Other people, tons of other people. The plane was packed. Um, We went out to California. West Coast, Best Coast. Yeah. Some of those that are following us on Twitter know, you know, that Jan was in California because there were some pictures that he posted while he was there. Yep. Uh, And we flew out to Los Angeles. Uh, city of angels some people call it some really hip people call it la Ooh, i've never heard of that <laughs> we, i'm not hip and then uh we drove down the coast it's not too far we drove about like the two ish hours down to san diego and hung out there for a few days which is our our favorites that's the capital of planet earth as far as i'm concerned <laughs> the capital the, the capital the whole world of all human civilization um <laughs> but in in la we had a cool star wars experience yeah and we went to Grauman's Chinese Theater, which is a famous, famous, uh, if, if you don't know it, um, just Google it and you'll instantly recognize it. It's a really um, iconic kind of place where uh, they've had a million different Hollywood premieres over the years. And out front, one of the things that's really famous about Grauman's is that people used to go and put their shoe prints and their handprints in the cement. And so me and Jess, my wife, we were walking around, we're looking at all the different shoe prints and handprints, and it goes way back. It goes back to like the 1930s. And right up in the front, we found the shoe prints of Darth Vader, C-3PO, and of R2-D2. How's that possible? How did they visit our galaxy? They visited our galaxy, I guess, not too long after um, A New Hope came out, because the date is August 3rd, 1977, because they they wrote in the cement the day that they were there, and then they autographed it. And I saw, um, I think it tweeted a picture of, uh, I don't even know if it was Anthony Daniels in the suit, but C-3PO's there, and he's got, you know, most of these stars would get down on their hands and knees and take this um, pencil and write their name in the wet cement. But... Um, I don't, I don't think that C-3PO's joints work that way. So <laughs> no. he couldn't like, you know, bend or squat down and, and, and write. And so he had like he, a gurney that was like lowering him so that he could just like write down. <laughs> that would have been cool. It would have uh, been great to see. Like a Mission Impossible thing where he just kind of like hovers above the ground. Exactly. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, the, but instead they gave him like, a, like a seven foot long stick, which for, you know, our friends in um, Europe is, I don't know, 2.5 meters. 
like sure. a really long stick and he was and somebody else was moving his arm for him <laughs> and he just wrote c3po um so that that was a really cool star wars experience but also i saw a bunch of really cool star wars t-shirts that i'd never seen before i saw one where it's like the cover of the abbey road album the beatles album oh yeah yeah but it was i, I think like a stormtrooper a stormtrooper a stormtrooper and then darth vader yeah, I think I've seen that one before. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I haven't seen that one. Maybe I've just been on Etsy a lot looking for shirts, which I'm wearing one of my. Yeah, Etsy your Tatooine shirt. That's a really good one. Yeah, it's my favorite one. Um, the one thing that I think we've discussed on the podcast before that I worry about is I feel like Star Wars is so ubiquitous and just so part of everything in our culture that you can't necessarily run up to somebody and be like, dude, I love Star Wars, too, because of their T-shirt, <laughs> because it just could be a fashion thing. You know, yeah, yeah. and so I've I've never done that. I've never gone up to somebody and said like, "Oh, that's awesome." Unless it's like a deep cut, you know. Like if somebody's wearing like a Wilro Hood T-shirt, then I know <laughs> then I can you go up know to them and be safe. like, "Let's talk, bro." You're like, "That's Wilro Hood on your shirt," and they'd right. be like, "Uh, I just like the ice cream maker on it." <laughs> yep. Or if they're wearing like a Gonk shirt or something like that, yes. Then I'm gonna assume that then you know, yeah, they're in. But for the most part. I see a Star Wars shirt and I like nudge my wife and I'm like, look at that. And she's like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah, that's exactly what she would say. <laughs> um, no, that doesn't remind me of. Uh, I, so while you were on vacation, I went into Best Buy and decided to get myself a new TV. And which is like a vacation, which is cool. It's I mean, I don't have it yet for us to watch anything on it, but I will once we move. I was going to ask you. OK, so you're going to get it delivered to the new place. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to de- to move that thing twice. Yeah, OK, I know. Th- maybe we talked about that makes sense. But it was really funny because i i walked in and i'm wearing my other star wars shirt the one that's like the 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 jedi symbol with the uh mm-hmm. the different ships that are flying on yep. it which is, i think you can get it at uh batu if i'm not mistaken um at um disney world and walked in there with this shirt on and the guy's like you're here for a new tv and and look we just happen to be playing your favorite movie behind us and empire strikes back was on the tv that i almost it was like the one i was uh considering buying how um, did he do that i i don't know it was like they just knew i was coming or something wow. like that and i'm not kidding you it helped to sell it like i saw the image of that the, so it was an oled right it, like so the best tv or best picture quality you can get and to see star wars playing on it i was like sold done give it to me now that's like, i gotta have it it was if, empire strikes back specifically if that if that's where we are with like predictive analytics for tv sales that's pretty scary it it felt a little bit like what was that movie is it minority report or whichever one where like you walk into the tv store the store and it just like changes the advertisement and say welcome ben and and yeah. you know it tr- tries to pitch you things it's like we, we laughed about, oh, that'd be crazy if that could happen one day. And it basically has already. It's happening. Minus the person, the, the hologram greeting you in the store. Like, that's what Facebook is doing to you. Yeah. And, and uh, one of my um, professors was telling us that when you get something that you've ordered through Amazon Prime in less than two days, it means that their predictive analytics worked out that somebody in roughly your area. Well, that's scary. Is going to need that within a couple of days. That's scary. So like it can tell the future now, <laughs> right? They're 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 starting and and like if you start to get pop ups for stuff, it makes you it makes you wonder like if if it if you get recommendations for products, like if you got a recommendation for Emodium, it's like are you telling me I'm gonna have an upset stomach? And how, <laughs> how do you did know? you know? How do you know I didn't just have that on my shelf already? <laughs> how do you, how did you know I'm thinking about chili dogs for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's a little bit. 
that would be really <laughs> scary. Like you're predicting my my appetite. Come yeah. on. Yeah. So stuff like that. But um, that guy, whoever is working at Best Buy, who set you up like that, deserves a raise. He totally does. And and I mean, they upsold my wife. I'll say I'll blame it on my wife. No, they upsold us. Like we we got. A nicer TV just because I saw the Star Wars playing on that nicer TV. I was like, okay, I'm sold. Now that I can see that that picture quality and what I would be watching on it, mm-hmm. I'm sold. So definitely deserves a raise. Um, but before we get to the news... By I the do... way, can I just say real quick oh. how awesome it is that a movie from 40 years ago... Looked amazing on it? Looks it? amazing and sells TVs to this day. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Well, some of that is like the upscaling, but it also... I mean, the movies were shot in really great quality then. It was yeah. just that our TVs couldn't couldn't display them yeah so yeah i mean the fact that they had to be shown on a big screen already like they they needed to be really good quality that's a good point when i when it was like 1995 and i was watching empire on vhs on your bubble screen tv on my my 200 pound bubble screen tv it's only gotten so much better since then yeah which is a blessing of technology, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but before we move on to the news, I need to do something that we haven't done in a really long time. Yes, please. Which is, we we used to be really good at getting each other gifts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I got you something. My predictive I, analytics failed, and I did not bring you a gift. That's totally fine. <laughs> this is a crappy one, but it's, so, it's something other than this. I told you I would get it for you. It's And I'm just going to bring it out here to show it to oh, you. Oh, man. A, it's a big case of bubbly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's my favorite. I was I, I felt bad for stealing all your bubblies whenever I oh, come over. I'm like, stealing. okay, I, I think I've repaid every bubbly I've taken now. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> Maybe that, not every bubbly. That's one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. That's all you need, right? I, I, love, I love a flavored seltzer. Same. We're drinking them right now, actually. Thanks, man. No problem. So take that home and I'll take the one take one the next time I come over. That sounds great. But how about we get to our first segment while my cat sits here and sniffs at our, our computer and say, I, I, I want to be part of this, too. It's not Chew Bucky. It's Chew Kenny this time. Chew Kenny. Uh, let's get to our first segment, though. News from across the galaxy. Pew, pew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we always start with whether or not there's a lot of news or there's not a lot of news. And there's a few things. A few things. What do we got? Uh, let's see. So the, one of the things that I am most excited about is we got a trailer for Star Wars Visions. Yeah, we did. And Visions, if you haven't seen it, is a basically what they did was they gave free reign to, I think, seven different anime studios slash directors, writers yep. to create Star Wars stories in the anime style. That's not to say that there's just the one anime style. And I'm by no means an expert. All of these look a little bit different. Um, and I think they were giving, given a lot of room to just try something and get really creative with it. And I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I would agree. I like the approach with the seven different studios personally. I didn't know how it would be like, it wasn't going to be its own, like one full story. And I, the, the gist that I get is that it's going to be all different short stories. Yes. Told in, in an anime format. Yeah. Which is to me a little bit more interesting because they're going to, that way they can introduce a lot more characters and different yep. storylines and get some variety in, in there. It's, this is a, a way to kind of test something out. And I, I like the idea of, of it not being one kind of contained story that it's kind of all these little tangential stories that could come in, in other ways to the universe. Like it doesn't have to be, um, 
you know, it doesn't have to be just an anime. Like it could introduce a character that really takes off and we want to get him in other forms or something like that. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that to see like, because anime is well known for character development too, not just for its its style, but like they, they develop some really, um, some really great characters too. So that'll be really interesting to see personally. And, and this has felt a little bit like, remember when the Mandalorian release its first look? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a trailer it was just let's show you a little bit about the behind the scenes and i think they showed some pictures of the volume and how they were putting some of the special effects together it it felt a little bit more like that where you were being introduced to the producers and the creators and the animators and uh, and kind of getting it from a more behind the scenes type of lens yeah that's a good point it wasn't it wasn't a true trailer it was like bits and pieces of things to that, that got me excited for it yeah um and maybe some of that is, you know, they're still they're still kind of making or piecing together some parts of it. But yeah, I, I think I think that also communicated some of the authenticity to me. Yeah. It was like, let's go to Japan yeah. and introduce you to these cool people who are making this. Which that's gonna be really cool too, is that this will be I, I feel like this will be one of the first ones that's told from a different cultural perspective. Like, yeah, which is Star really Wars. Cool. It is this like big cultural phenomenon that's become a global one as well, mm-hmm. but it's never really been told through the lens of creators in some of those those uh, those worlds, other than the UK and, and the United States. Really. That's a great point. So it'll be really interesting for another culture to get its hands on Star Wars and tell a story within this universe in a way that could be really interesting to us. But let's face it, like this is all in an effort to make sure that Star Wars stays a global brand. Like if we're just thinking about the business behind Star Wars, which would be really interesting to look into one day, um, the business behind Star Wars and how do you keep it going? Like if I'm not mistaken, like it doesn't always do that well in um, in China, for example. So this this might be a way to start making sure that it's it, it remains a, a global uh, or it keeps a hold of its global audience. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I think it does really well in Japan, but I think you're right. I think you're in right. China where I think they, they want to do really well in China. Yeah. And I don't know how much this helps enter there because they're not the same countries at all, but, but it's kind of one step towards that is yeah. how I think of it. It's definitely, I mean, you put it really well. I mean, it's the first time outside of the US UK area that there's going to be Star Wars creators making stuff for television or the big screen. That's another thing. Like I, I keep saying this all the time. I bet that these, the visions would look awesome on a movie screen. Yeah, and I yeah. hope somebody sets that up somehow. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be someone that realizes the business opportunity behind that. Yeah, of sh- of airing it uh, or showing it in, in in the movie theaters. Yeah, because they bring back old movies all the time. They did it during the pandemic when and, there were no yeah, movies and coming TV out. TV shows too. Yeah, during the pandemic, <laughs> um, there was a lot of really like like cool '90s. The stuff. Empire chart the top the charts again in one week. Empire did like Jurassic Park did. Yeah, some other cool ones, but um, yeah, there's like an indie theater. Uh, not too far from where we're sitting right now, um, the Colonial Theater. Oh, yeah, and where the Blob was filmed. The Blob. Um, but they would also show, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, like, sell the place out. Yeah. They would show, like, like, multiple episodes of a season and there'd be a line around the block. Yeah. I could, I could see some Star Wars stuff, like Visions, maybe being like that someday. That would, that would be so cool. We can rent that place out, by the way. Maybe we rent it out and show Visions. Maybe we rent it out and show vis- Visions as, like, a Baraxium event. That would be cool. And we'll charge everyone to come and watch it, yep. even though we had no skin in the game. 
we can keep all the profits, I'm sure, right? They'll let us. We'll make a, there'll be a VIP <laughs> upcharge. It's a thousand bucks to meet Ben. $3 to meet me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's the other way around. I pay you $3. <laughs> hey, do you want to meet me? I'll pay you to meet me. <laughs> no, thanks. That's all right. I'm just in line for my goobers. <laughs> My goobers, gosh, I haven't had those in ages. Oh, they're We're, so good. Guess what? We're going to the movies tomorrow. Yes, you are. We're going to see How Black excited Widow. Are you? I'm excited, man. I'm going to be sitting around people soaking up their germs again. No, okay, I'm not making it sound great. But I'm going to be able to see it on IMAX and the big screen again. It's going to it's going to be great. I'm excited. That, I'm going to see Black Widow, obviously. That That's something I really missed and I didn't realize how much. I, like, I always enjoyed going to the movies, but to be like starved of being in a movie theater yeah. for almost two years, like that's painful. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, I'm only going to see the big temple stuff anymore because of how much it costs to even get a babysitter these days. So mm. like, it's not like I'm going for everything that I can. It's just basically whenever Marvel and Star Wars put something in there, then I'm mm-hmm. going. So um Point being, like, I only went, like, what, three times, four times a year before. But, yeah, when you've gone two years without going, you miss it. What was the last movie you saw in the theater? What do you think? Was it Rise of Skywalker? It was Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That, 18 months ago or whatever That or came more. out December, right? And and then... Yep. Yeah, March is when everything shut down. Hmm. So, so the last time you went to see a new movie in the theater... We went out to a diner afterwards. We did. And started talking about the Star Bros podcast. That's right. So kind of full circle. And now we are so famous that I will pay you $3 to meet me. <laughs> well, how did you even enter my house? I don't even know. Where's my three bucks now? I'm going to hold these bubblies for ransom you, until you uh, pay you me. take Venmo? <laughs> I'll take Venmo. That'll be fine. All right. What else we got in the news? We had a couple of new books. The... Um, What's it called? The High Republic series? Yes. The High Republic era continues to unfold before our eyes. And you and I have a lot of catching up to do. And now we have even more catching up to do (laughs) because they are releasing uh, two new books. There's The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. Mm -hmm. And or I should say they have released. Yes. And then there is by Daniel Jose Older, Race to Crash Point Tower, which I'm excited to read that one because I've invested some time in the um, in the comic series. And from what I've gathered, uh, it. It takes Lula's story and I think hopefully even Zine's story and continues it in the in the novel now. Um, so I'm really excited to see kind of their story continue and and what I've been able to gain so so far from the comic series. So that's one that I'll definitely put on my list to to get to sooner rather than later. And that one that one for anybody who is unfamiliar is a middle reader. So that one is written for like uh, like middle school, early high school, yeah, kids, but. It's not to say that you can't pick it up and enjoy it, because I'm sure, given that it's mm-hmm. Daniel Jose Older, it's probably a terrific story. Yeah. But I think it's cool that there is High Republic era content that is available to kids and to adults. Yeah, definitely. So those are ones you're going to want to pick up if you're really into the uh, High Republic series. We need to just catch up at some point. So actually, I was mentioning this in our chat, um, uh, the, our Bro Axiom chat. We were talking about the novels and stuff like that. And, and I said, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to with going back to work is I'm not excited about having a commute again, <laughs> but I'm excited to use that commute. Yes. Especially cause it'll be longer now with me moving. Uh, I'm using that commute for things like books yeah, and listening to books in the car. Like I really want to use it for that. Yeah. I know a lot of people who love doing that and feel like they lost out on that. And yeah. 
yeah, it, it's a silver lining of having to go back in the office and drive. But um, I just pulled up some of the reviews of the Kevin Scott book, and they are just terrific. Like people are over the moon about it. It's well, Kevin uh, Scott's great. It's uh, let's see, Amazon has all these crazy categories. Like <laughs> it, it's ranked number one in Star Wars books. The Kevin Scott book is right now. So okay. that that's its own category, just Star Wars books. It's ranked number seven in a category that's called movie tie-in fiction. And then okay. it's ranked number 13. I want to know what's ranked number one in that category now. We can look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's ranked number 13 in space opera science fiction Kindle. <laughs> a specific one for just Kindle? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll click on um, movie tie-in fiction. And number one is, there's, a, I guess, a Terminator book. Oh, okay. For 99 cents. Maybe that's why it's number one. Is It's just. They're giving it away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that person can say, I've got a number one bestseller in the movie tie-in category. All I had Amazon. to do was make it go for a buck and put Terminator on the cover. No. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure it's better than that. <laughs> Probably just a bit. That's but. interesting. Then we had the Bad Batch. Yes. Two episodes that came out. Let's start with Bounty Lost, because that yeah. one, I will admit, that was probably one of my favorites. That, I was just thinking, um, so I watched it a little bit late. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it when you I was on vacation. vacation. So I got caught up and I watched the last two episodes in like the last 24 hours. <laughs> uh, so that, that meant that I had a little bit of time to reflect on the rest of the season. And it was kind of easy for me to say that this stacked up at the top. Like this was like, probably my favorite episode of the season just yeah. awesome action and stuff but um so one of your favorites like what jumped out at you as being special about this one well first of all i like that cad bane got brought back yes and that we got a whole episode with cad bane and then we got fanic shand coming back into the picture because we got her back in what like the fourth episode of the series and then she was gone and i wanted to know what was going on like where was she she was talking to someone and communicating with, with someone on the bounty so who was that and what was her point her uh uh you know how does she fit into the plot mm -hmm. so it it did resolve that for me which was really exciting um but without completely cutting her out of the picture yeah like she could still come back in but now we have answers which was really good um, if there was any critique against this it was i almost would have liked to see Cad Bane hold on to her for a bit longer. Hmm. Like it was almost like they resolved the last episode super quick. Yeah. And so you, you mean like if there would have been an arc where there's like three or four episodes where Omega is in his hands and they're hunting them down, trying to find them. Yeah. A little bit more like that. But that again, I'll take that critique back a little bit by saying, I feel like this was all about showing Omega's resourcefulness because if it was just the, the trope of, um, we're going to have the Bad Batch figure out where she is and be the heroes and come in and save Omega. We've seen that before. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a tale as old as time. And and that's what I think. Rescuing the damsel in distress kind of thing. Yeah. I think these two episodes are kind of like that where it's not so much the dad batch anymore because she doesn't need them to be saving her all the time. And, or, and they start to realize like, okay, she's pretty resourceful. She can probably find her way. And there's evidence of that earlier. Yeah. But here's where I think that these two episodes, they start to kind of lean back a little bit and say, yeah, you're actually, you're part of this. Like you're yeah. not, you're not just somebody that we're all collectively looking out for. Yeah. This was more about Omega proving what she is capable of, that she is capable of saving herself 
and the Bad Batch just have to swoop in at the very end and save her before she hits the ground. Like that's that's really their own purpose is is to come get her when she figures out how to yeah. save herself. Yeah, you know, and she's just a scared little girl, you know, running around the or being captured across the galaxy. But gosh, she can hold her own. Yeah, and that was what was really cool about this episode to me. Um, the second was the reveal of her being Omega, and then there's an Alpha, and that Alpha is Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. So now you've basically got a Boba Fett clone, mm-hmm. or or someone who's akin to Boba Fett, and Omega, which means the last, right? The, in in the Greek alphabet, um, is that what it means? The last, or is it just the last letter of the alphabet? I, I, it's definitely the last letter of the Greek yeah. alphabet. I don't, I don't know if it means the last, but it, 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 I don't think it means it. But it's like it's treated that way, like Alpha and Omega. Yeah. Um, now it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Uh, so it'll be interesting, like how they continue to factor that into the plot. Like, okay, since she now we know she is really significant and where it's coming from why what are we gonna what does that mean for for her specifically mm-hmm. as she's trying to figure out herself for the bad batch and and uh what does this mean for the kaminoans yeah right uh that'll be the the big question that i have yeah anyway that that was one of my favorite just to see the the fennec shand and and cad bane face off i wasn't sure if they were going to kill one of them off well at least cad bane it was pretty rough yeah it wouldn't have been fennec shand we know that she would have survived but were they going to kill cad bane off i was I was wondering it for a little bit. Uh, one of the things I liked, like, I, I guess like one of the dramatic effects of that episode was that fight scene. Like a lot of action that we've seen so far is in crowded places and busy, pl- like in the factory and they're assembling the droids or they're in a market or whatever. Yeah. And there was nothing else around. No. And so I that- almost got Bespin vibes at the beginning. Totally Bespin vibes. Like that's actually, actually where I thought they were. Yeah. Until I realized it was abandoned. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Got to look into that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I was really curious about that, but I made the same assumption. But like, yeah, it's just like there's there's nothing around. You're in the clouds. Everything's sort of like dusty and run down, and there's nothing else going on except for this back and forth and this fighting and whatever. Yeah, um, and, and then that, was, some, that, that like, just built a lot of suspense for me. I love that. Yep. Then there are those aliens in the capsules and stuff. So like, people have been there and doing experimentation. Like the the, the, weird. the big Snoke clone that like fell out of the tank was that a snoke it it almost looked like it i didn't know what that was i couldn't tell but it almost looked like a big snoke clone like it or or something that palpatine would have cooked up on exegol yeah maybe that was his first attempts yeah could have been could have been uh a prototype this gives me heebie-jeebies thinking about it it's gross (laughs) all right let's talk about the next episode which Mm -hmm. i i'm curious I will reserve my thoughts first. I want to know your initial reactions to uh, this next episode, Common Ground. I thought it was probably one of the most disliked episodes from what I saw on Twitter. Yeah. And so I went in with it, went into it with that mentality of like, okay, this might be one of the slower ones of the season, or it might be one of the ones that um, just doesn't land well for me. But I still enjoyed it. I think it was just the timing of it Mm -hmm. because it was almost as if like this episode felt a lot like some of the earlier episodes where they were taking the jobs from Sid and going and and doing these small little missions and not really moving the plot forward in a way that you could see yet. And that's the thing. Like, I think all these have a really important story to tell and we won't really appreciate the story they're telling until the end. 
that could be what's happening here. Yeah. But it felt like they were finally picking up the pace with some of the big plot points that they needed to push forward in this series and in this, this season. And then they went back to Sid and went back to the, um, the, just the, the jobs. But then you realize at the end why this was so critical because they had a debt to pay off. Mm-hmm. Right, they needed to go back to Sid to pay off their debt, or else they have a bounty on their head or something like that, and they didn't want that. So there was a, a reason for this episode, and and not just that. Again, it was for Omega. It wasn't just about the job. The job has. We'll get to the job in a second, but it was really to show, again, Omega's resourcefulness, and how she's doesn't want to just sit out and be on the sidelines. She can do something. She's she's very good at strategy, and she uses that to pay back the debt that they yep. owe, which is pretty amazing. Like, she just wanted to be useful. And it's another lesson for uh, Hunter, who is kind of being a, dad, a bad dad in a couple moments. Like, I can relate to that. And getting lessons all over again, like, okay, you need to cut her some slack. You need to actually let her be yeah. more independent instead of controlling her all the time. Yeah. And, and I... It was interesting that she was kind of stuck in that place and found a way to be resourceful in Sid's cantina or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I also liked the, and maybe this is a stretch, I like the kind of like the parallel story of they have to save the separatist senator. And ultimately, like, he he doesn't want to get on the ship at the end because he wants to go back and save his people. Yeah. He feels that commitment of, like, I, I have this duty to serve. Yeah. And... I thought it was sort of a nice parallel where they feel like they've saved Omega a bunch of times, but then Omega is in, in some way saving them now where she's yeah. paid off this big debt that they have to Sid. And um, even though you don't really see it all that much, you can tell that Sid is a very unsavory character who would do just about anything for her. Oh okay. yeah. So I thought that that was kind of cool too. But yeah, to me like this, the arc of these last two episodes is Omega coming into her own as a uh, not as the kid in the dad batch, but a member of the bad batch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lesson for Hunter to just stop leaving her on the sidelines. Yeah. And I feel like he knows he's going to get beat. He knows that she's really good at strategy because mm-hmm. she's seen or he's seen all of these people that have come in to the cantina. Probably experts, right? What's that? Probably expert gamblers, expert strategists. And, and she holds just... her, whole, her own well enough to be able to earn enough to pay back their debt. Like she's got to be pretty good. So he knows, I think he knows he's, he knows how that game's going to go. Yeah. And so that's why he's making that wager. Like you win, prove to me that you can win. Cause I know you can. So prove it to me and I will stop keeping you out of these missions. You will be one of us. I didn't even think about that. So that, that's a way to give her the kind of give her the opportunity to earn that. Rather than just saying, like, I give you my blessing to be part. Of. Yeah, it's, I know you can do this. Yeah. So just prove it to me. Yeah. And we'll make this happen. And it's almost as if, uh, I, I could almost imagine even if she didn't beat him, he would still say, well, I, I you know, I, it doesn't matter. You can mm-hmm. join us anyway. Um, so it, it does have some really good qualities to it, but I don't think people liked the step back from the plot progression that we got from the last few episodes and how intense they were yep. and getting Cad Bane back. Like there were I some real big highs. Yeah, I get it. In three episodes in a row. And then to just go back to that, made people go, oh, oh okay. So I get that, but I kind of reverse course after I thought about it a little bit. But by the way, where are we in the season? Like 
Is next week the finale? No, no. We have six more episodes. What? This was episode 10, and we have six more. There's I'm 16. glad I was sitting down. <laughs> was that a good thing? Are you That's happy? a good thing. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it was like you know, just 12 episodes or something. I remember you really liked the trailer for this one. So you're like, I, I, I really want to watch The Bad Batch. So is it is it living up to your expectations? Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I love the, the whole thing where one episode comes out a week. Yeah. Again, in this bingy world where you can watch... 20 hours of television of one series in one weekend and just you know ruin your life basically <laughs> um it's fun to speculate and geek out and say like all right what's going to happen next week and it's frustrating to see that you know omega's in cad bane's hands and you got to wait a week to figure out how that goes and all that but um i love it. it it's definitely living up to my expectations awesome yeah and i would agree i i think it's uh it feels a lot more like what we get out of the Clone Wars and things like that. But if if the Clone Wars and Rebels and all those other um, great animated series that we've gotten so far are any indication or any foreshadowing for what we're going to get out of the Bad Batch, it's all going to be good. Hopefully we get more seasons out of it too. We yeah. see kind of where where this story goes. It's not just a, a one, one-time thing. Um, but we'll find out in six more weeks yep. when we get the last six episodes. Uh, well, starting tomorrow, we'll get another one, and then it'll be five more weeks, right. actually. <laughs> um, anything else in the news? I think that's it. Then let's move on to our second segment, more to the story. And what more to the story we're going to be talking about this time? We are going to be talking about, well, we're going back to the, the Bro Book Club. Yes, we are. And we're going to be talking about a book that... Uh, I feel terrible saying this, but it was gifted to me as part of a little box set. And I can't remember who got it for me. Did you get it? You didn't get it for me. No, it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> um, that would have been embarrassing. Um, I mean, I've gotten you so many books that <laughs> you have. Bless your who, heart. who would have not? You too over there. Um, so the, there's a little box set and you and I have slightly different versions of this. Yes. Uh, well, no, we got the same books, the same two. Same books. but I got the expanded edition, I think. And I do not have the Bounty Hunter book. Right. So I got the Bounty Hunter one. And the Stormtroopers. And the Imperial Handbook. Yep. So you got the set that has the Jedi Path and the Book of the Sith, uh, Book of Sith. Yep. Now, explain a little bit, though, before we I, I kind of mention those ones. Uh, I, explain, like, just the feel of the book. Because that, to me, is what I love about this set. It feels like recycled paper. <laughs> yeah. I would say probably, like, 18 ounces, maybe. I didn't get mean to get that specific, but yes. <laughs> um, okay, so basically what this is, is it's meant to appear like a manual. Uh, the, 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 the title of the book is The Jedi Path, and it's got a, a whole series in there on what happens over the course of the life of a Jedi as they become a Jedi. Um, but it's meant to look like something that's been handed down over the years through different Jedi. And the edges of the pages are a little bit tattered and it seems a little bit like a little bit older, but they're tattered in a way that makes you feel like it's been well kept as best as it could for a really long time. Yeah. It's not, it's not by any means beat up. No, it's just, it's been thoroughly enjoyed by a number of people. Yes. And you open up the book and it's, it's nicely bound and it's got the nice silver lettering on the front. It sounds like we're trying to sell it a little bit. And it is pretty cool. You should go get it. But inside the cover, there are about eight or ten names. And these are the names not of the people who wrote the book, but of they're annotated by the different Jedi who over time 
have held this book and have put notes in the margins. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, something that's really cool is uh, you'll find the different people who were putting notes in the margins were in dialogue with one another. Yeah. And reacting to one another's notes. So there'll be a statement about um, something having to do with becoming a Padawan. And uh, Anakin will write something in there about how, you know, all I had to do was, you know, Qui-Gon told uh, Obi-Wan that I had to be his Padawan. He accepted. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Qui-Gon wrote something like, yeah, I think that sounds right. You know, whatever. Well, actually, no, it didn't do that because it that's something I noticed. Because it was always in sequence, because Qui-Gon handed it down to Obi-Wan, who handed it down right, to Anakin, right. right? So it would be like, Anakin would say that, but then Ahsoka gets it next, right, and Ahsoka would write something like, oh, whatever, tough guy, yes. or something like that. <laughs> that's right. Like, she was totally snarky with him every time. So that's, I didn't even think about that. So um, let, let's, right, okay, let's go down this list here, and I think that that'll help kind of tell the timeline, too. So the first one at the top of the page is Yoda. Yep. And the other cool thing is like each one of them has their own handwriting and yep. their own um, pen color color that they're writing in. Um, so Yoda, everyone's favorite, Thame Cerulean. <laughs> uh, Who's technically, I don't think, canon anymore. So like, let's, let's make sure that that's clear. This is technically a Legends book. Yes. So it references a couple of times things from legends or, or you know mm-hmm. like at one point in luke's writing he mentions mara yes and she's obviously not in canon yeah so Who that is, is something his, to clarify that, that's his wife right that was his wife in yeah. legends right but i don't think it distracts too much no. i think you just have to if you don't know the legends if you don't really care to look into it that much that's totally fine because there's still a lot to really enjoy about the book yeah you don't have to know the legends to really get that you know satisfaction yeah and and let's be real sometimes legends is funny yeah and there's just some goofy stuff out there and some of it's dead serious but some of it's just really silly and goofy right um and we'll, we'll talk about that more at some point in the future i'm sure but um okay so going down after yoda Thame cerulean we have dooku mm-hmm. his first appearance and he's got some so he's got some zingers in the margins here um and then one of my favorites who you know, people say is maybe the most important Jedi master in all of the saga, and I think he's definitely up there. Is Qui Gon Jinn? Yep. Then Obi Wan, then Anakin, then Ahsoka, then Darth Sidious. Mm-hmm. And boy, does he have some cool handwriting! Oh, and some great stuff to say. And he's got some like cold-hearted, snarky, mean. He he kicks the Jedi when they're down in a few spots. Yep. Um, and actually, the 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 first few pages in the Jedi path are redacted, and Luke thinks that they might be redacted by Darth Sidious. And do you know what he's redacted? He's redacted stuff about the prophecy, the Chosen One, of the Chosen One. Yeah, and and I, this this is how much of a dork I am. <laughs> it's it's like the. If you've ever seen on TV the um, like the CIA files on UFOs or something, and, and they're redacted, and there's just a, a thick black marker line that cuts through the text. Yeah. It's like that. So you can sort of see the tops of the letters in some spots. Yeah. Or you can make out like part of a word. Yeah. And so there's me at like 11 o'clock at night 
trying you to didn't. figure out if I can if I can read it. I was doing that too. <laughs> I was and like, you, can I get any of the? But did you give up? Yes. Okay. Because uh, I was like, oh, that you, you can't. can't read it. <laughs> it's like completely illegible. Yeah. I really wanted to know what it said though, and I was so mad. Like somewhere there's got to be a copy of this section, right? S- somewhere, right? So, somebody wrote something out, and then I, I don't know, but um, and then and then obviously it goes down to Luke Skywalker, who has. Not not what I would have pictured his handwriting looking like. Uh, I would agree with that, but but at the same time, um, it's super cool. Oh yeah, it is definitely really cool. But but what I really like about it too is it, not just that you have. It, it's supposed to feel like it was their book, yes. right? And one of the ways that they do that is there are there's very little indication that this is technically a Star Wars book. There is one big one which is on the very front cover. It says Star Wars. Yes, like in the font that we know and and can recognize because you need at least something that helps you to like say that makes it look like this is star wars so there's that but then there's like no title page there's nothing that tells you at the beginning like this is just a a a textbook uh, you know a regular book of some kind it's not until the very last page of the book that it has like the almost obligatory uh copyright page Yep, it's they bury it like the, the Library it. of Congress number, all that stuff is buried at the very end. So when you yeah. first open the book, you get the experience of like I'm holding a book that Yoda held. I'm holding yes. a book that everybody down to Luke Skywalker held. And that to me really makes the book that just that little thing. I yeah. noticed that from the first time I cracked the binding, and and the fact that it was just like it felt almost like it was from the universe, yeah. which I I love. So yeah. I, I like the feel of the binding of it. And this is where I'll get back into the other ones though, where every single book is different. So this one kind of has like a, a very, it feels a little bit special. Yeah. Right. It, it feels like a very fine, uh, I'll say fancy kind of uh, binding to it. Mm-hmm. The material that's being used. Whereas the Sith book is like this hard red leather book. Yeah. And all the pages look uh, are like cut differently, different colors. They kind of look, I, I hate to say this word, but satanic in a way uh-huh. <laughs> because it's supposed to feel like it was the Sith, uh, a Sith book. Yeah. So that to me is another, like to make it feel like it's from the universe. Like yeah. this feels like a book that a Sith would have held. Right. And then the other ones are just the same, like the bounty hunters. It's got those frayed edges. Um, but it's a little bit more tattered, I, I feel, or, you know, just a little bit differently. And then the Imperial Handbook is, like, pristine. It's orderly. It, it looks like... Right? And it it's looks black. Like, it looks like the shiny hallway in the Death Star where there's not a spot of dust. Nope. And everything is, like, pristine, like you said. Like, it just looks like it's just polished and you can't tell one page from the next by looking at the side of it. Whereas with the Sith one, you know, the Sith are very individualistic yeah they are very out for themselves and it looks like every page in that book is competing with the next page yeah whereas i i like the way that you put this it just feels like there's something a little bit fancier about this one it feels special in some way yeah Um, definitely this was like a really cool art project for somebody oh yeah to pull this together someone probably had a blast making this oh yeah you know and, and to try to make it feel like it was in-universe, which was great. Um, so it's divided in a few different ways. There's a, a, a about, f- what is it, four sections, right, to the book? The yeah, first and, by, section... and by the way, there's a subtitle to the book. It's, mm-hmm. call, it's called The Jedi Path, A Manual for Students of the Force. Yeah. And 
again, it, it feels kind of like a manual, right? Like I'm, I'm just joining the order. I'm a Padawan and I need to learn kind of what the rest of my life is going to look like yeah. and how it could go. So you have part one, which is the introduction to the Jedi order. You have, uh, it, part- it, it felt a little bit like Harry Potterish to me. How so? Where the story of Harry Potter for the most part is that kids can become wizards kids can yeah. um, find out that they have some special power at some point and then be shipped off to the school where they are learned to, they learn to wield that power. Yeah. And this very much starts with younger folks, uh, younglings specifically learning that they are force sensitive or force users. And then just sort of going through that path of either becoming Jedi Knights or becoming part of the Jedi core, whatever it might be. So it's, it's the, it's the realization that there's something special and then the progression and learning how to use that. Yeah. that Okay, I like that parallel. It, it kind of feels like uh, if I'm just coming into Hogwarts for the first time, it's like, hey, day one, here's your manual. Get here's to your know book. this this, yep. this crazy castle that you're about to come because it is literally crazy. Yeah. There are three-headed dogs and yes. staircases that move. and All yeah. the paintings talk to you. And all the paintings talk to yeah. you. It's, it's kind of crazy. Well, did this just become a Harry Potter podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. I think there's enough of those that they're doing just fine. But yeah, my wife will come downstairs and be like, I'm going to talk Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm into it too. That's cool. Yeah, but, it's great um, stuff. Um, so did you did you picture yourself in this when you picked it up? Like what kind of headspace do you get in when you open up a book like this and you're like, oh, okay. So Yoda wrote in the margins, everybody through Luke. Like where does that transport you to? It, it did feel a little bit like I was getting ready to become a Jedi. Like I was a Jedi initiate. And... That was what I really liked about this, too, because I feel like the movies give us a lot about what part three and four of this cover, which is the Padawan and the Jedi Knight. But we don't really get that much of the younglings and the initiates. And and so it was really interesting reading about the clans. Like, I didn't realize that they had different clans Um, and and the things that they go through. Like, they have a section on the attire that they should be wearing. And and I thought about the Harry Potter houses with the clans. Yeah. Is Bear Clan Gryffindor? Like, (laughs) maybe that's not a fair parallel, but, you know. No, but it it kind of, it felt a little similar to that. Yeah, I agree. But, But then what I really liked is, like, the, what it does is it introduces the pillars of the Jedi. And the first pillar being the Force the second pillar being knowledge and the third pillar being self-discipline. And just to have that be like the way that they start and to like make sure that you understand these, these really basic things or even just like the Jedi code in the first section, like reading that was really interesting. Let me see. Let me see if I can get to that real quick. Just these things. So like um, there is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. Like just that re- is really cool to like, I-, I didn't know the Jedi code before and now it's, it's there and like they describe it and they teach it to me. So I felt like I was a a student. Are there any good margin notes on that part? Uh, let's see. So we, I mean, you have a Qui-Gon that says, uh, if the living force engenders compassion, eventually even love, I do not feel these are a detriment despite the precepts of the code. And that says, uh, um, then it has Qui-Gon's signature. Then Anakin writes, yes, maybe this is why Qui-Gon has never, was never on the council. So a little jab at, uh, from Anakin. Right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it's, and they're all in character too. Yes. Like here's Qui-Gon talking about the living force. And we know that's really critical to him. Like he loves to explore the, that side of the force more. Mm-hmm. Um, then the unifying force, which I think is the, the other one they talk about. So, uh, 
So yeah, it, it feels like it's very true to character. Yeah. In these Martins. And and there are some spots where I think it crosses over with some not big screen content. Like on uh when we're talking about the second pillar, knowledge, there is entry from Rastelli Quest, the chief librarian at the Jedi Temple. And there's a map. There's a map of the the library at the temple. Yeah. The Jedi archives. Yeah. And Ahsoka circled a spot. And Ahsoka wrote, this is where I encountered the thieves who stole the holocron. Yeah. That's a Clone Wars episode. That's a Clone Wars episode. Exactly. Which is really cool to see in there. Yeah. And and that's what I liked about it. It's like, it's, it's, in some cases, they reference events that actually happened. Yep. Which is really cool to see. So, um I, I did pick up on that one too. I really liked, and and I just like the way that they talked about the like the different, you know, the wings of the archives with the history and philosophy, the physical sciences, the geography and political structure, and then uh, nature and diversity of living things. Like the, just thinking like the, oh okay, so those are like the I guess the four things that really matter in yep. in terms of knowledge. Like this is what you should gain knowledge on um, within the galaxy, which is really interesting. So I, I really enjoyed that section. A, a couple of things. So right after that, there's a bit about the galaxies, the stars, and the planets. Yeah. Um, written by Crix Sumburus, Jedi Ace. and Who comes up with the names? I love it. <laughs> I know. I don't know if there's a canon definition of the galaxy, like a map of the galaxy. I think there probably is, of like what is the outer rim and so on. Yeah. And there's an explanation here that I thought was interesting that talks about, that uses the word civilized. So past a certain point is considered uncivilized by the Jedi. That kind of caught me off guard. And then it says something in here about uh, the inner rim marks the outermost limits of what most citizens consider civilization. Yeah. And in the margin, Anakin has wrote, written, uh, even Naboo isn't considered civilized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really interesting. Yeah. Like, I thought that was too. Or just... Uh... Or even Qui-Gon's later on where he circles the Outer Rim territories and is like, this is where Jedi have a true purpose. Yes. And I thought it was cool that later on in the book, there is this concept of the Jedi Service Corps that I'd never heard of before outside this book. And basically the idea is that some Jedi, some some Force-sensitive folks who go on to be wielders of the Force under the banner of the Jedi aren't necessarily Jedi Masters out there fighting and having lightsaber fights. Yeah. Some of them are teachers there's like an educational core there's an agricultural core but then there's an exploration core of yeah. jedi who yeah. go off into deep 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 space i got star trek vibes when i read that yes <laughs> like one of the things that i always thought was missing from star trek was jedi and yeah they basically just mashed those together i well one of the it's funny because i thought the opposite i was like one of the things i feel like is missing from star wars is the exploration like there's all this deep space why don't they just go out and, and that's a better way it? to put it that's a better way to put it than for me in my head to put jedi no on no no the enterprise they should they should intermingle more and i think in a lot of people's minds especially today they do <laughs> yeah i think i think today for sure um it used to be like argument which one's better star wars star trek i think people are more like they're both great. Yeah. Or no, this one's my favorite, but I like that one too. That would, wouldn't that be like a cool comic series or something like just like a crossover a deep, deep, uh, not, not a crossover, but just like a, a deep, deep, deep uncharted space exploration by a group of Jedi just to see what's out there. Yeah. That would be cool. But at the same time, a crossover would be possible. You know, if Star Trek is exploring deep space, they could run into that galaxy 
they explore deep space. They go through time rifts and things like that all the time. Why not? Why not? Sounds like a great comic. Yes. Or something. Like, let's just start it off there. Anyway, before we go down that path a little bit. They go through the time rift and it's Jackson the Green Rabbit comes through. <laughs> you just gave Chris a heart attack right now. You know that, right? <laughs> He's sitting here shaking his fist at you from home. Um, no, one of the other things I really liked was the actually in, in this section, the initiate trials, which I thought were interesting and just like how they graduate to then become Padawans. And, and this was something that came up again later on, which was uh, you can fail the trials. Yeah. And basically be done. Like the council can say, no, you're done. And then there's a whole separate council that but is then, in but charge. I, so I, I missed what happens then. What, what what happens to you if you fail the trials? I think it was it the, the reckons. It says, regretfully, the council may decide the path of the Jedi is not for you. If you arrive at this decision yourself, then it is the force speaking to you and you are not meant to follow the Jedi path. Should this be your destiny, remember your training as you build a new life and seek out opportunities to be of benefit to yourself and others. So that that's really practical and also really nice that you, you get to take something from it with you. Yeah, but I think they also say in another area, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You could stay here and take another role within the temple somewhere, uh, maybe within the agricultural core or the educational core. Like somewhere else, there might be still a path for you, but uh, it just won't be as a Jedi. So you're not cast out. You're not cast out of the, of the temple. No. Um, That's kind of cool. And which is really cool. And then, but, but it's interesting too, like that's just to kind of graduate. But once you become a Padawan, it, it's like, there's so many shoots off of the path to become a Jedi where it seems like it's almost impossible to become one in a way mm-hmm. because every step along the path is really difficult. So, all right, you pass the initiate trials, which sound pretty difficult. Okay. Then you become an apprentice, but to become an apprentice, you have to go and be part of this apprentice tournament which will involve lightsaber combat but then a bunch of other things too and that's where all these masters from across the galaxy come back to kind of find their new apprentice and look for someone that they can teach and if you're not chosen then what happens then you i I think they say like you can continue to you know try for this but at some point the council uh will get involved and say you know what maybe this isn't the right path for you and you could leave again. Like there's a shoot off the course. Like this is hard. It seems like the stars kind of have to align for you to be successful here, but it really does. In the initiate trials, I thought there was something interesting about um, the different people writing in the margins, going back and forth about the Jedi Corps. And it says something in here about uh, the, the members of the Jedi Corps are no less Jedi than those who roam the stars to defend the weak. Yeah. And, not everybody agrees with that. Yeah. So Dooku writes in the margin, again, the Jedi Corps are, they're they're not out there having lightsaber battles. Maybe they're educators. Maybe they're farmers. Maybe they're explorers. But they have a different way of expressing who they are as Jedi. And Dooku writes in here, the existence of the Jedi Service Corps weakens the order. Yeah. Expelling initiates with low potential would improve our public standing. And Kenobi writes wrong. <laughs> the service corps are some of our greatest members. And then Anakin jumps in, tend to agree with the original sentiment. Power should be concentrated in a few. Yeah. And then there's a really sad bit in here where Darth Sidious writes, uh, so many force users still loose in the empire. 
all that failed in all those all the failed initiates who possess just enough knowledge to be dangerous. So he's hunting them as best he can. Yeah. So that that's all in the margins of that one page. I thought that was an interesting dialogue back and forth between all those characters, which I really like when they do that. I I, I it was really weird whenever Sidious chimed in. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because it was almost just I could hear him cackling while he said it. I could, it was just like this kind of snaky response, you yep. know, and I, I, I kind of liked it. It was weird. Like here is another your dark one. side. What's that? That's your dark side coming through. It, I guess it is. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit of Joey pops coming out. So I really liked this other comment that was really similar to that, where he was talking about the core and uh, he says, I imprisoned the surviving Jedi, Jedi service core members on Biss. Even the strongest were easy to turn to the dark side. Yeah. I saw that. Like, ooh, like just, just so, yeah, evil. Anyway, what are, where else do you want to go? Was there anything else that you found really interesting in, in either the initiate section or the, uh, the Padawan section? I, I think I already mentioned the Padawan section. There's a bit about Anakin's personality coming through and a little bit of his like impatience and entitlement. Like he's yeah. bored with this first party, just wants to get to it. Yeah. So I think that, that kind of shown through throughout the pages, but, um, yeah, then then I think it gets it gets it gets really technical at some parts. Yeah, I, I well, it does. And one of those I think where it does is is the section I was looking at with the lightsabers. Yes. Uh, which I really like that they kind of talk about the different uh styles of fighting, which was really cool to read about. But at one point they started talking about uh, like creating the lightsaber and there was this really cool, I don't know what they mantra here. The crystal is the heart of the blade. The heart is the crystal of the Jedi. The Jedi is the crystal of the force. The force is the blade of the heart. So it kept using like those four words, crystal, heart, blade, Jedi, and then four, six. Um, but like interchanging them in a way that like was very poetic. Which that was would really be cool. cool to have like on a poster or something at home. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, like I could just put that up in my bedroom and my wife wouldn't mind, right? You should put that on your LinkedIn there we go. That's a better place for it. <laughs> um, hire me. I'm a nerd. So, but it, and also like some some more personality stuff in the introduction to the lightsaber. They talk about how the younger Jedi need a training lightsaber because it's this really dangerous weapon. Yeah. And Anakin just decides to write <laughs> in the margin, "I never used a training saber. I had no problem going straight to a real saber." Yeah. Like. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was so arrogant in this whole thing, and it was great to see. There was another part, did you read, where uh, – oh, maybe I wrote it down. We'll get to it in a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll get to this in a little bit. Back to the lightsabers. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was they mentioned – again, this is a, a technically Legends, but they mentioned the planet that they would go to to um, get their, um, their first kyber crystal. Mm-hmm to make their lightsaber was on the planet um i hope i'm saying it right elam it wasn't jetta what's that it wasn't jetta no it wasn't jetta no but there's an episode in the clone wars uh, where the padawans go to the planet elam okay to get their first kyber crystal and it's a whole journey to find it and and to find the one that's calling you and things like that so and it talks about that in this book remind me do do are all kyber crystals i think i, I was reading this somewhere um, and maybe it depends on what part of the Star Wars universe you're looking into, Legends, Canon, whatever. 
all kyber crystals are the same color in the beginning and then the color changes you can change it i think there's like the green and the blue ones like are either they come as that's a good question it's the red ones that you you have to change them yourself you make it bleed you corrupt the kyber crystal to make them red that's what i was thinking of but the blue and the green i think they come Uh in those colors got it and you choose them um or they choose you which whichever one ends up being the case so but here's the interesting thing that i looked up because i wanted to just confirm like was that still accurate and and it is so that's the planet that the padawans would go to to get their crystal cool and as i was doing that research i then found this out so that planet after the fall of the republic darth sidious went and took over the planet and harvested it for all of the kyber crystals and what they need to be able to build the, the Death Star. They went to Jeddah too. They went to any planet they knew that had an abundance of these crystals. Do you know what ended up happening to the planet Elam? Totally devastated with... Uh, uh, th- did they blow it up? Did they... Yes. With the, with the Death Star? No. <laughs> but it did get blown up. It became Starkiller Base. No way. Yeah. So, yeah, you were right. It got blown up or uh, became a supernova or something like that. Huh. Crazy. Is that what's powering Starkiller Base is like the, the kyber in the core of the planet or something? Well, yeah. I mean, they harvested a lot from them, but then they, because of it was abundant in the, the resource, they, they decided to make Starkiller Base out of it eventually. Huh. The, you know, eventually the First Order went back to it to, to make Starkiller The more you base. know. The more you know. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Uh, what was that? Is that? That's PBS. The Is more it you know. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, thought I would mention that. What else did you? What else did you find interesting? What so else I'm out? I'm wrapped up in this whole explore core thing, which is the again, <laughs> it's part of the Jedi core, the Jedi who are not out there fighting and defending the weak. There's this thing in here on page sixty about using Jedi meditation to smooth the tangles of hyperspace. Yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, and and so there's a really cool piece of artwork of a Jedi standing in front of the. It's like they're standing at the, on, on the deck of some big uh, explorer spaceship. I forget what they call their ships here. There's a really cool drawing of one of them here, a, a scout ship, yeah, deep space scout ship. And so he's standing at the very front. He's got both hands raised up, and he is directing somehow, some way, helping direct the ship through hyperspace, and. It's just a really cool, beautiful visual. But again, there's a really interesting dialogue here. And Obi-Wan Kenobi writes in the margin, I have seen Master uh, Sacy Tin do this. It's remarkable. A bit beyond my own abilities. And then Darth Sidious chimes in and says, The same foolish reason the Jedi thought they could succeed with the outbound flight project I put a quick stop to that. It's like, all right, what is that? <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then Luke chimes in, outbound flight survivors are safe in the redoubt. One more step in overturning this monster's legacy. It's like, <laughs> there's a lot that happened there. And um, I love whenever Luke responds to Sidious too. You can just tell that he's like, I hate you. Yeah. 
He's it's just this anger towards him. I, I right? hate you without completely giving in to my hate for you. But yes. you know what? I'm going to be not so nice. Yeah, every comments. time that you chime up, I'm going to just write back as if you're here and I'm telling it to you now. Yeah. You know, it's and, great. And, you know, maybe maybe that's a, a good a good spot to jump back to the very, very, very first page here where Luke Skywalker talks uh, yeah. about how these things were handed off to one another. Um, and Darth Sidious, because, you know, I, I wonder, like, there's good guys and bad guys writing in here. Yeah. And Darth Sidious, it says, um, he acquired the book during the aftermath of the Clone Wars and added his own form of caustic commentary. What does that mean? Caustic? Yeah. I think things that are caustic can be like acidic and ruin things. Huh. I never looked up to feel like it would be like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that sounds like Palpatine. That right? does. Sounds like Sidious. Do a D. So yeah, there's actually, there's a timeline in the first page that talks about when the book exchanged hands and, and who it went to and so on, which is why like a lot of the dialogue, it's just one Jedi or Sith Lord responding to the last person, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just always kind of in that order if they are. Sometimes they just say one thing. Like it was funny. Yoda had a lot of lines in here where he would just like say something that was, again, true to character. And nobody would respond to him. Yeah. Like he was just talking to himself almost. Right. <laughs> and usually it would just be like a nice, quick, wise comment or something like that. And and that's usually, and so he had the book first. Right. It says, um, and that's usually what people do when they take notes on something is they're making a reference for themselves later. Yeah. But once more than one person starts taking notes, they can be in dialogue with each other, which is what we see here, which is really which cool. Is really cool. Um, yeah. But you're right. Like some of the stuff that Yoda calls out is really just his own thing his own reflection on something right um can i pull us to page 96 which is uh the jedi trials because this is one i wanted to to, to focus on and, and then had the dialogue that i was referencing let's earlier. do it so what i found really interesting about this was just they talk about the trials in the movies but they, i didn't really feel like i got a feel for what the trials were and here they kind of go into detail of what it is. So there are five different trials, actually. There's the trial of skill where a Jedi has to demonstrate their competence with a lightsaber and the force. Then there's the trial of courage um, to see how a Jedi would, uh, their skill in facing danger and, and overwhelming odds. The trial of spirit, with, which tests the Jedi's ability to vanquish inner battles and emerge unscathed, which I thought was an interesting way to talk about that. Then this one was weird. The trial of the flesh to demonstrate the capacity to overcome great pain. That would be my least favorite. I oh, think. I think everyone would hate that. And did you read the part where they were talking about like what they used to do during the drought? The no, like, tell me. They basically it was like barbaric. It was like forms of torture to see if they could overcome that. I'm like, okay, that sounds evil. And then they're like, oh, this, but we did away with that. This is sounding more and more like a fraternity hazing. Yeah, a, a little bit. Bit. And then the last trial was the trial of insight, which reveals the Jedi's aptitude for distinguishing reality from illusion through deceptive challenges. So does this line up with everything that Luke goes through in Empire on Dagobah? In a way. And so like some of the things that Luke says in the comments, was, I think at one point he he says something about how here it is. Yoda warned me before I entered the cave on Dagobah, but I thought I could handle anything. And that was when he was talking about the trial of the spirit. And so like that was mm one of the i guess the trials that he was putting him through but it wasn't like the trial because he continued on but the other interesting thing was all right reading about each one of these trials is interesting then they talk about other ways that you could accomplish it and one of the ways could be like in 
during battle, if you were to lose a limb, then they would consider that a trial of flesh. Ah. So we... That seems fair. It, it kind of seems fair. And that's their point. They're like, we will make exceptions of, for the trials if these things happen to you. If you lose uh, a limb and overcome it and still win the battle or something, then we'll say you won it. Or like with... Um, that You know, that's interesting. Um, some militaries around the world have this rule, like the French Foreign Legion. If you are not a French citizen, you can still serve in the French Foreign Legion. And if you are injured in the service of France, you become a French citizen. Oh, really? Like if your arm is blown off and you are willing to lose a limb for France, you become a French citizen. That makes sense. It makes sense, right? You're you willing just to make that for us, big even sacrifice. though you weren't born here. So yeah. Yeah. You're a member that I like that. Do you know you can go to France and get healthcare without uh, having to pay for it? You know, there was an article in the New York Times about a bunch of Americans who were doing that. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's kind of a big loophole, but it's it's part of their belief that they need to you know, support anybody that comes to their country. Yeah. Which it's admirable, but it costs the country. Yeah. And its citizens to do that. So anyway, um, so I thought that was interesting <laughs> tangent. Um, but here's here was what I was referencing earlier. So. Uh, at one point, we're talking about the trial of courage, and there's an underlying portion where it says... Um, Hang on. What? Isn't that one of the new The High Republic books? Trial of Courage. Maybe? Is it one of them that came out earlier this year, The Trial of Courage? I think so. Man, I got to go back and look at that because... Um, I'm Pull sorry, Google. I, I totally cut you off there, but the... So one of the things that us, the Star Bros, do is not only the podcast, but on the Baraxium YouTube channel... We go and we do quick shots with our bros, uh, Chris Ryans and Daniel Miller, which are previews of the Star Wars comics that are coming out that week. And Ben and I have been covering the High Republic comics. And there's two different series, and I've taken the one, he's taken the other. The Marvel High Republic series began with, I I think it was in issue number one, uh, the Jedi Trials for uh, Keith Trennis, one of the new Jedi that we met. And I think one of them is called, uh, maybe it's called Test of Courage. Test of Courage. Because I just looked at Trial of Courage and the ones of that. So I think it is Test of okay, Courage. Okay, Test yes. of Courage. But I wonder if that's related. And, maybe. And if it's not, that's fine. But it seems like they're, ta- they're they've taken a lot of care to, in the High Republic era, really kind of stitch things together nicely and to make it into, I think, what some people have referred to as a mega story that ties into the rest of Star Wars that we know really nicely. Yeah. So a bit of yeah. a tangent. And, and hopefully that's deliberate. Is, is I think the, it is. Yeah, I think so. I um, but here, here was the rest of that dialogue. So uh, it says, A Padawan was considered to have passed the trial of courage if he or she demonstrated battlefield heroics, such as standing up to a vastly powerful Sith Lord. And this is what Anakin writes. Master Obi-Wan passed this by killing the Sith on Naboo. Talking about Darth Maul. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes, I'm going to kill the second Sith. Knowing that there were two. So mm-hmm. he, he makes that comment. And then Sidious wrote, and so you did, my predictable manipulated apprentice. Wow. <laughs> that got me. I was like, whoa, look at that. Like wow. Sidious is such a jerk. But you're right. He did. He ended up killing Dooku. So he, it was perfect to plan. Wow. Right. And But like to Sidious's plan. So just that little tie-in was really cool to me. So, but anyway, like the concept that they cover of like the the five different trials and even just the results of them. 
So like you could take these trials and fail them and be out again. Yeah. But you could take them again. Sometimes the council permitted it. And it was like, they didn't really get into like when the council decides you're allowed to or not. They're just like, they have the final say on the matter. That's it. Hmm. <laughs> so like, okay, some nebulous decision-making there that, that gives you a lot of confidence, but it just shows just how difficult it is to become a Jedi. So that leads to one of the questions that I have for you, which is, yes, sir. Do you kind of see as you're reading this, uh, things that lead to the Jedi's downfall? Like, as I was reading this, I felt like maybe that's what caused your downfall, guys. Like maybe you got a little bit too prescriptive in this area, or maybe you interpret this a little bit too incorrectly. Like when they were talking about attachment and things like that, and yeah. Qui Gon and Luke were talking about, you know, I think we need to do away with this. So, were there any things that, like, as you were reading, you were like, ah, this led to your downfall, guys? It was following too closely to this teaching. You know, honestly, no, um, but not until you made me think about that a little bit. Um, not until just now. I mean, there's stuff in here about actually towards the back of the Jedi trials. Sidious writes something in here about how overconfidence was rampant during the Clone Wars and it made the Jedi easy to kill. Yeah. And Luke has something in here that says, as much as I hate to agree with Palpatine, I nearly lost my life on Cloud City to overconfidence. Uh, I lost a student, too. So I, th I think there was you know, perhaps an overconfidence in the system of the Jedi and the orderliness of it and the structure of it. Yeah. And one of the things that I've always liked about my early interactions with Star Wars was how it felt to me a little bit loosey-goosey that Luke went to Dagobah and was just sort of in the jungle and, and Yoda was kind of teaching him the way, running around, swinging on vines and things like that. Yeah didn't seem all that prescriptive it seemed like he had a plan and an idea for how to sharpen luke's abilities and so on um but it didn't seem like a lot of the stuff you're reading in this book here yeah that that that's the type of stuff i learned about a little bit later but then when you go and read the book it's like it seems a little clunky and bureaucratic yes and uh maybe a little bit too structured and a little bit and and clunky bureaucratic structured organizations sometimes think that they're the end all be all and i well yeah, I agree with that. And speaking of that point, like I felt like there were just a lot of dichotomies in the book mm. in a couple of places. So, for example, they were talking about how being peacekeepers and focusing on helping people, but then talking about being the police and the enforcers of the army that after yeah. the last war there was no the republic decided there was no need for an army, but that the Jedi still needed to make sure that the Sith couldn't come back, so they became the army, they're the ones that go negotiating with planets to join the Republic and right. and to defend the Republic. Right. So like there and there were comments by like uh, Qui-Gon and everyone saying, um, you know, we're kind of going in the wrong direction. Even Ahsoka a couple of times is like, you know, feels like we're making a lot of exceptions right now. And yeah. who can become a Jedi and who can like just because of the war that's going on, like they were bending and breaking their own rules. And so it was. Some of it was in the structure of the book, but some of it was in the comments as well of Anakin and Ahsoka yeah. that showed this is kind of what what started your downfall. And even where Sidious was just like calling out like the arrogance. So like uh, one one in particular, let me find it real quick. It's on page one fourteen when they were talking about Jedi Knights. They, there was this this one area where they were talking about the Jedi Guardians and being the police and and everything and. 
And it says, uh, in a sense, we are also the Republic's police force responsible for keeping the peace and detaining lawbreakers. The services of guardians are in desperate need among the worlds of the outer rim and wild space where local security forces hold little sway and the people are in need of saviors. Mm. That wow. last one, the people, so like, it kind of shows, that's a bit of a prideful statement. In need of saviors, we yeah. are their saviors. And Sidious underlines that one and goes, this arrogance was what earned Jedi the people's hatred. Hmm. So there were kind of comments where it was like, yeah, Sidious is kind of right here, yep. guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I really like that. But again, I'll ask that question. Like, do you think uh, some of these practices led to their downfall? They must have, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. That's an, that's an interesting take on things. Um, I had not considered that until you brought that up. What about uh, Temptations to the Dark Side? Yes. Did you see some of that? I definitely saw some of that. And I mean, it, it comes through really clearly with not just Anakin, but also Luke at a couple of places where he admits his temptation or admits that yeah. um, he may have faltered a little bit. And also the 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 notes in the margins from Dooku definitely yeah. show a propensity for something other than the really good stuff that we know about the Jedi. Yeah. Um, so that came through quite a bit. Or even just uh, some of those prideful comments. Or uh, The thought I had was, with how difficult this path is, it creates a bit of an elitist feel. Completely. And I feel like it's almost like it was so hard as a Padawan, as a... Uh, uh, as an initiate and then a Padawan to even stay on this path that by the time you become a Jedi and survived all of those trials and, and everything that, that you were put through to make it to this point. And then there's not really much. You just go and defend and you're a master now. Like you read the master section and you're like, okay, there's, there's roles for you to play, but it's kind of like what we go through in life with like careers and stuff. Like people plateau a bit. Yeah. And I feel like at some point they go, okay, I feel like I've plateaued and I've, I've, I got this elitist feel. Like I feel very prideful for where I've gotten to. And so like that for me made it feel like th that's where the uh, temptation to join the dark side would settle in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well said. Um, and, and on the topic of the elitist thing, I actually think this sounds really cool. There's a really nice section about the knighting ceremony. Yeah. Where if you've made it to that point, there is a ceremonial celebration of you becoming a Jedi Knight. Yeah. And there's some detailed explanation of what it looks like and, you know, how they raise their sabers and things like that. And that, too, comes up in the High Republic comics. So when, right. when not a spoiler, because I think it happens in the first or second issue, but um, Keith Trennis does pass her trials. And then there is uh, a few, uh, there's a, maybe a page of visual depictions of what it looks like when you become a knight and you are knighted. You know, somebody can raise their saber that way. Uh, there, but there's a really nice description here. And again, there's some cool margin notes where uh, Luke says, Yoda didn't knight me. And so I don't knight my own students, but I will work on formalizing this. Yeah. So he feels compelled to bring that back, even though he mm -hmm. hasn't had that experience for himself. Um, he says that with the clans, too. At one oh, point, yeah. Where he's right. Like, he does say that. Maybe we should have clans. Like, I didn't do that. Maybe we should do this. <laughs> so it's sort of, it, it kind of gravitates back to, you know, these old traditions. Right. Um, and then there is a bit in here about the Padawan braid and yeah. how during the knighting ceremony, you cut off the Padawan braid. And Ahsoka is written in here. I wonder if they'll cut my beads. I hope not. <laughs> I read that. I remember going, oh, no, not our beads. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Those um, are cool. But speaking of elitism, 
uh, Dooku has a margin note here that says uh, about the ceremony, uh, an honorable and solemn ceremony, even for those born to nobility. Yeah. So even if you're like super fancy pants, it's still pretty good. (laughs) Fancy pants. (laughs) I mean, he, yeah, that's again, true to character again, right? Yeah. All right. of their comments are, are are just like it makes you feel like this is exactly what they would have said. So that's where I tip my hat to them the, for creating this. Uh, it's to me, um, maybe some final thoughts on the book. I'd love to get yours. My final thought is, it's fun, it's enlightening, and it really helps you to see the, some of the things that you see in the movies and and all the content in a new light. And I feel like, you know, I, I actually feel as I'm reading this, like I am in universe. Like I just joined, yeah. I entered the Jedi temple as an initiate and I'm trying to get to know what it'll take to become a Jedi. What's your job going to be? I don't know. Like, I don't want, I don't know if I would want to be a guardian necessarily. So maybe I would be, I don't know. The scholar looked interesting. You would be a good, uh, I think a Jedi Gardner. ambassador ambassador okay yep or a diplomat yeah uh or a researcher yeah which is basically what i do today so (laughs) yeah that's why i thought as caller i was like okay i could do something in that but but, and and those were the ones that like got to record the holocrons too i was like that's cool yeah that is really really cool i pass down wisdom for generations to come that would be really cool yep so those are my final thoughts what are yours uh, I, I, I like when you said that it feels like you're in world. One of the things this reminded me of was I played once one time before the pandemic. I went down to a board game shop in Philly and I played Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, um, it was super geeky and it was fun. And one of the things that they give you is a manual that that um, kind of takes you into that world where you can design characters and it gives you all this background, all this stuff that is beyond anything you would need to know about monsters and about characters and stuff like that that helps it all feel like a little bit more like you're in that world. Mm -hmm. And this reminded me of that. Um, You know, I just randomly opened up to a page about force wielding animals. Yeah. That there's just, there's so much stuff in here like that, that is just richly satisfying that you can really dig into and just totally geek out on. But I I just think it's also like a nice little piece of creative artwork Um, from the binding to the pages, to the uh, actual, the actual artwork, the drawings of the different Jedi doing things are just beautiful in this book. So I feel like I'm in world. I picture myself kind of going through that process. Yeah, I mentioned to you uh, before that I'd never really thought about what it must be like to be a youngling before because in on the big screen, they're basically just slaughtered. Yeah. So there's not <laughs> a lot of places to go with that. But here, this changed my perspective on that. Yeah. That there is a path. Um, and also in this... That, and this is this has got to be relegated to legends. There's a mention of Yoda having been a youngling. Yeah, which it, you know kind of blew my mind a little bit. So he had to have been at one point. We've seen Grogu now. He was. Yep. At one point, a so youngling. This, a bad it's, one. It's dense. There's a lot of stuff in here, and um, but then not too bad because it's only like 150 pages. It's only like 150 right? pages, but every page is just something where you're just like oh wow cool okay yeah that's pretty neat yeah so um um, really really enjoyed it uh i regret that i've had it for probably like a year and i haven't really dug into it like the way i have in this last week or two so yeah um but the time was right and we uh we both i think got a big kick out of it the yeah i did and i would say if i were to give one criticism or one tell lucas for one thing 
update it. Mm. And this is what I mean. Like there, because you mentioned the, uh, the force wielding uh, creatures and it, it feels like, Oh, what was that one episode of the, um, the Zillow beast? Yeah. I was like, Oh, the Zillow beast is going to be in here. And he's not. Ah. And that's fine because like, I think th- that episode probably came around uh, out around the time that they were updating this. I think it's from 2014 was the last time it was updated. Um, but it just seems like they could update it a little bit and mm-hmm. add in a couple little things that are um, true to what we've seen since more has come out with the Clone Wars and things like that. And, and the other uh, and, and even just like, you know, making it so it isn't all legends, like removing yeah. some of the legends references and replacing them a little bit like that. It could still really work. I would love the canon version of this book to yeah. have as a manual, a reference manual for all the other stuff that, you know, we plan for the show or like when we go to see the new movie or whatever, like I'd love to have the canon version, yeah. but um, th- this is still really cool too. It's still really cool. That's my only thing. It's not even a, uh, I guess it is feedback uh, or a criticism. I mean, but it's more just, Hey, I would love that, but it's great on its own, even with the uh, the legend stuff in it. Yeah. So, anyway, what are we going to discuss next time we Ooh, come? I'm excited for the next one. Um, and and this chap's name has come up a couple times in this episode. This chap? <laughs> are you English? You went to L.A., not the UK. The UK. Yeah, I don't know if they use that out there, but um, we are going to be talking. We're going to be doing a character specific episode. We're, we we've had a couple of episodes now where we really just dig into one particular character their importance to the saga, um, what we like about them, what, what what they've given us throughout the the series, a character study, if you will. And the next one is going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. And this is by far one of those that I'm going to have to do a lot of thinking about because Obi-Wan, I would say, you know, it keeps changing who your favorite character is and stuff. But Obi-Wan pretty much is my favorite character. He was at the beginning and I've like changed over time just like, but at the same time, he really is like yeah. my, uh, you know, my handle on, on, on the PlayStation is Broby one. Yep. So like, I, I just, I love the name and, uh, and because his name was Ben, I feel like just for that little reason, I connected to him as a child watching Star Wars. So I'm really excited for us to talk about him a bit more. I feel like I'm going to do a lot of homework to make sure I do him justice, though. Yeah, that, that that's a good call. And we are um, in, I guess, I guess we're still filming the the Kenobi series right now. Oh, yeah, it just started, right? So that that's something that we're going to just get more and more excited for over time. So it feels like a good time for us to talk about yeah. old Ben Kenobi. Um, maybe we can dig into a little bit of Sir Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor and so on, but definitely yeah. the character and the importance of the story of the character, um, who I also is definitely one of my favorite characters. This is perfect then. I'm getting pumped. Can't wait. Yep. Let's just record it now. Okay. Let's oh, wait. It. We didn't prepare. <laughs> <laughs> let's prepare first. Well, let's let's uh, give our thanks again yep. to all of our fans all of those that listen to us every single week uh for those who just now found us you know we were still coming into this universe and enjoying every uh every second that we have to meet with you to talk to you to engage with you on our, our social media channels it's just been a blast um so keep reaching out to us you can find us on twitter at uh star bros podcast you can email us at the star bros podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook and make sure to check 
check out the Broaxium YouTube channel where uh, our podcast is featured, but where you can also get the quick shots of the different comics that are coming out every week. Love those. A little bit of a deeper dive through the uh, the spoiler run, uh, and you can check out all the guys, you know, just shooting the poodoo every week and on new topics related to Star Wars and nerdum. All, you know, all, that, all the nerdum. All that goodness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you again for listening. We're grateful that you're here. Anything else that you would share? Um, I'll second the gratitude. Uh, you mentioned if you're a new person, um, all the different places you could find us. If you're a new person, and this is the first one you listened to and you made it this far, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, come and meet us at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, and I'll give you $3. <laughs> <laughs> Just for meeting with us. <laughs> um, there's going to be a bunch of fine print at the end of this episode that says I will not actually give you $3. But, yeah. But... I really appreciate that you made it this far. Um, and if you're somebody who's been listening for a little while and, and you've stuck around and you've come back again, um, thanks a million. It means a lot. We got into this just because we love Star Wars and we like talking Star Wars and we love meeting other people who like talking Star Wars. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for hanging with us. You guys are the best. And on that note? On that note. What do we usually say? I think there's one more thing for you to say. It's my turn. And I got to say it in a way that doesn't wake up my kids. But it's still true to the character, so let me let me think about this. Okay, you reflect. <clears throat> Get into character. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>